That's Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, and it's on page 4. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over, the, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thanks, Becca, very much indeed. Uh, Should we say a prayer? Uh, Heavenly Father, we um, have sung about your word being the word of eternal life, the words of Jesus, Lord, particularly, but the whole book, Lord, this story of everything. And Lord, as we look at the first chapters of this story of everything, we pray that you would speak these words from the page into our lives, make us wise, Lord, that we might know and understand the world we live in. And reveal yourself to us, that we might know you and know your purposes in our lives more as we study this book. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll find on the back of the service sheet an outline. um, And uh, there's an outline there that we're going to use right through uh, this study of the first three chapters of Genesis. Um, Part one, God gives good gifts to us. We saw that last week, didn't we? Verse 26, we've read it again. We're made by God in his image. That's what it is to be human. We're like God in the world. Uh, Sue mentioned it in the prayer, didn't she? The fact that we speak and have language and can actually have a relationship with God as well as with one another. Second point of the outline, God makes good choices for us. We're thinking this week about gender. And you don't get to choose, do you, whether you're born male or female. God chooses that for us. Third point, God has good purposes for us in that, in the choices he makes. It's it's good to be female, it's good to be male. Together we make the human race. Together we image him in the world. Now we could stop the sermon there actually. We could just sort of sing some more um, songs of celebration, uh, that God is good, he's made things that way. But you may have spotted there are quite a few questions that come up Uh, when you start to think about that. There are quite a few objections, quite a few, well, what about, that come up when we think about this area of life. So I've recently been on an Oak Hall trip. Uh, They take a chaplain along to uh, a Christian holiday, and um, that's what uh, I did uh, at the end of August. And I was talking to one of the teenage lads on that trip uh, whilst we were away. Um, I was talking to him about men and women being equal. And he came back and said, Well, how do you know that? Now, before you get cross with him, he's at the stage of life where he's thinking things through for himself and forming his own convictions. Well, I said, if we look at the first chapter of the Bible, if we look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, we see how God has made men and women equal. Now, do you spot what the writer of Genesis has has done then as he's told the story? 
at the end of verse 27, it's, it's printed out in the service sheet to help you to see it in parallel. There's two parallel statements. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, it's often a way of expressing things in Hebrew, uh, so you'll find it often in the Bible. There's two things pr- expressed uh, as parallel things. And when you read the second sentence, your question should be, what does this add? What does this extra, what, what is it inviting me to do? So read it again. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The two are exactly equivalent statements. And the second sentence expands him and man from earlier in the verse to clarify it means male and female, the whole human race, is created by God in his image. So before any differences between men and women are discussed in chapter 2, it's clear we are all equally in the image of God, equally commissioned to rule the earth and to fill the earth, which clearly needs both sexes. Men and women are equal. Men and women are different. We're created differently, aren't we? We have different DNA. Chapter 2 describes the creation of the first woman out of the first man, uh, the first human cloning. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 27, though, makes it clear that this wasn't an afterthought for God. Male and female was always his purpose. We're different by his design. So are men and women equal? Yes, of course we are. Are men and women the same? No, we're not, are we? That's <laughs> very head shaking. Are men and women interchangeable? No, we're equal but different. See it most uh, clearly in family life. Not in who changes the nappies in the middle of the night, uh, but in who gives birth. There's a fairly obvious difference, isn't there? Because our different biology means that we are not interchangeable. And there, of course, there are loads more, much more subtle differences between people with XX chromosomes and people with XY chromosomes. And that, by the way, is why the Bible says slightly different things to men and women about uh, relationships within the church family as well as in within the family family. Now, we've not got time to go into details, so I'm going to either courageously or foolishly just give a couple of headlines. Men are called to be like Jesus in being servant leaders, sacrificing self-interest for the good of others. Women are called to be like Jesus in being servant supporters, using their gifts and energies to serve the church, working with those called to oversight so that the decisions reflect the good of the whole. So we're all called to serve, We're all called to be like Jesus, but men and women are to do that in slightly different ways. And and God's God's vision, God's purpose, is that we would complement each other. That's the vision for men and women. Complement in the sense of complete, uh, rather than in, oh, well, you look nice, and oh, really well done. Um, Although you're allowed to do that as well. But God's purpose is that the two genders, the two sexes, would work together as team, as family, and that there would be a richness that there wouldn't be if we were all male or all female. And God's call is to accept and to embrace his good purpose for us, however he's made us. We're equal in creation, equal in Christ, but with differences to work out, to bless each other. Now, 
I'm not saying we're there as a church, um, but I'm saying that God's purpose is good, so let's work towards being there as a church. And I'd love to chat more about that. There's loads of questions that come out of it. But we're going to move on to another thing, a, a, a big challenge in our culture. And that is the question of gender itself. Just this week I noticed a couple of articles in my online reading. Um, a report uh, from John Lewis that uh, it's no longer selling clothes as boys or girls. They're just clothes. Uh, and on Friday I read a, a mum uh, saying, uh, uh, the, the headline was, My son became my daughter and I couldn't be prouder. And that uh, is being celebrated and normalised in our culture at the moment. What are we to make of that? Uh, Some people now are defining themselves as gender non-binary and asking to be referred to as they rather than as he or she. Uh, I read a really helpful book um, a couple of weeks ago um, uh, uh, called God and the Transgender Debate. It really helped me to understand the ideas behind this cultural uh, change at the moment. Uh, It didn't really make sense to me. I was thinking, uh, but... What's um, the idea behind it is that, that gender is sort of something out here that's constructed by choices you make and by things that are part of your psychology, and um, it's separate from your biological sex. That's the idea that's in our culture at the moment that's bringing change. It's a separate thing. So the idea is you might be biologically female but identify as a man or as non-binary, neither uh, wanting to be viewed as a man or a woman. So what do we make of that assumption, first of all, behind this this assumption that's bringing the change, that actually uh, gender is, is sort of, it can be divorced from biology? Well, think that through. If you're, if you're a man, How can you ever know, truly, what it feels like to be a woman? You can imagine, you can empathise, you can talk with friends, you can pretend you can wear different clothes, you can even have an operation. But you cannot change your DNA. Jermaine Greer has forcefully pointed this out, that uh, a man cannot have a female brain. God has made a choice for you, either male or female. He's got good purposes in that. So rather than trying to divorce our thinking about gender from our biology, wouldn't it be much better to say that maleness is a much broader category, much much wider than all the traditional stereotypes? Femaleness is much broader than any of the traditional stereotypes. Wouldn't actually that be more healthy and sane and and right and true to reality? So boys who like pink rather than blue, who love flowers and hate sport, are not less masculine for it. They're just boys who like flowers. And who knows, they might grow up to be the next Van Gogh or Monet. If you're a woman who's good at things that men are generally good at, it doesn't make you less feminine. 
doesn't mean growing up that you're a tomboy. Still less does it mean you're a man trapped inside a woman's body. It just means that some women are stronger than the average man, better at football, better at reading maps or whatever else it is. Females is much broader than any of the old stereotypes. So um, on the on the Oakhall holiday, uh, my um, leader, who was um, organising the trip, um, uh, she's a geologist, and uh, so it was very fascinating visiting the Corinthian uh, uh, ship canal, um, uh, seeing all the rock formations. Fascinating. Uh, but she was sharing that um, I didn't realise this, but the Panama ship canal has uh, recently been expanded to double its capacity. The work was overseen by a female engineer, and you'll have to forgive me if you're Spanish-speaking, um, Ilia Espino del Marata, or something. Um, she deliberately wears a pink hard hat and a pink high-vis jacket. Not to try and look like Barbie, but to make the point that a female engineer is in the senior position... Uh, in what has traditionally been a very male environment. So she wants to inspire other women uh, to uh, think differently about the workplace. Again, there are lots of questions that can go with that, and I'd love to talk more about them afterwards. Let's uh, have coffee together. Let's talk. Let's think out loud about this together. But I want to get to the deeper idea that underpins all of this. It's the deeper thing driving cultural change. And that is the idea that freedom is when there are no limits, no constraints to my choices. It's the idea that I'm free when I can make any choice that I can dream of making. And then I'll be free to be the person I want to be. And it goes with the idea of being true to myself and being authentic. But when Jesus talked about freedom, and we've got his words there from John 8, he talked about freedom differently. He talked about his teaching as the truth and promised that the truth will set you free. Freedom comes from God's truth. And there's no surprise in that. If God has made us all, and he made us with a purpose, and he made us in a particular way, then actually tuning in to what he says about the way we're made, about his purposes in the world, will give us a true understanding of the world, will give us a true understanding of ourselves and of other people and of God and of the physical reality of the planet we live on, of where he's given freedom and where he's set limits. So going back to our outline, God gives us good gifts, the gift of being human, male and female in his image, that's an amazing privilege. God makes good choices for us where we don't get to choose. There's a givenness to gender. It's set by our biology at the same time as a huge diversity in what it means to be male and female. And God has good purposes for us in that. He wants us to be a team, with a diverse team, blending together, working together, enjoying uh, the world, managing the world... So, if you're a man who relates much better to women uh, than to men, or vice versa, freedom will not come from trying to transition to the other gender. Freedom will come by accepting you're a man who, unusually for men, is particularly good at empathising with women. 
great. Accept that. Embrace that. And embrace God's purpose that we should be one family coming together where everyone is loved and everyone is accepted with all of our diversity. Uh, The book picks up on something that Jesus says. I've printed out there from Mark. um, About uh, when we feel that we have to give up things to follow him. Or when we do have to give up things to follow him. uh, And Jesus promised that we'll receive a hundred times more in this lifetime uh, if we have to do that. Crucially, the author says, the place where Jesus envisages people receiving a hundred times more in terms of open homes and loving family must be and can only be in the church. Us. Church. We are to be the place in society where everyone is welcome. Anyone can come. Whatever we've had to give up to be here. For example, uh, my mum, uh, some of you know her, uh, has two Christian names. You know that? Uh, her first name is uh, Helen. But nearly everyone knows her by her second Christian name, Margaret. If next time she came and um, uh, walked through and uh, reminded you, oh, hi, I'm Margaret, you said, hmm, yes, but you're not, are you? I'm going to call you Helen. You could do that, but that would be really odd. Similarly, if a bloke you know uh, called Bruce comes to church with long hair, uh, wearing makeup and a dress, and says, Hello, I'm Caitlin. Well, we shouldn't reply, Ah, you're not, are you? I'm going to call you Bruce. We should respect that person's wish to be known as Caitlin. And as we get to know Caitlin, obviously there's a story to be told. There are some pretty deep issues to do with identity that aren't present for my mum preferring her second name to her first name. But we welcome people however they come, don't we? Isn't that church? We accept people as they present themselves, as they introduce themselves. We call them whatever they prefer out of he, she or they. We don't end the conversation there, though, any more than if a flash city boy came um, throwing his cash around and bragging about how amazing he was. It would be pretty clear we'd accept him, but it would be pretty clear he needed to ponder a little on his identity and whether maybe cash was too much a part of that, and we'd want to journey with him in that, wouldn't we? We want to walk beside whoever joins us, And with them, we want to grow in our understanding of who God is and of his transforming grace, his experience, our experience of transforming grace. So it would be with Bruce Caitlin if she were to join us. So it would be with a radical feminist who um, was, um, if Jermaine Greer, I mean, we'd be very lucky if she joined us, but it it would be very interesting conversations, wouldn't there? But she'd be welcome. But we want to journey and we want to discover what God's will together. So too with the male chauvinist. And there are plenty of those around. He'd be welcome. But we wouldn't want him to stay as a male chauvinist. One more what about. What about Casta Semenya? If her name doesn't ring a bell, she's the South African runner who was born intersex or hermaphrodite in old money. 
This is a great example of the exception that proves the rule. The rule, for most of us, is that we are born male or female. The exception, for a tiny percentage of people, is that it's not clear at birth. And those people do have a choice to make once they've gone through puberty. Uh, schools and our Sunday club need to be very sensible and very compassionate in the meantime. And people like Castor and other people who are born into sex are a real gift to us all. They have huge challenges and need support, but at the same time, they're a huge gift, aren't they? They remind us that people are people. Before we're male or female, we're human. From the most uh, intelligent or athletic to the most severely disabled, we're one humanity, one family, made in the image of God. That's God's good gift to us. Part of our humanness is this givenness that God has given us to be male and female for most of us. He's made that choice for us. It's a good choice. He has good purposes in it. So let's not rebel against it or try and change the way we are. Let's rather accept the way God's made us and enjoy being female or being male. Not someone else's stereotype of what uh, your gender uh, means, but discovering what it means for you. Discovering together what it means to be a body of people uh, made by God and working together and relating to one another. Being a church with God's truth as our foundation, a team serving him, enjoying and exploring what does it mean, this sort of lead support dynamic that God intends for men and women. Jesus shows us both sides of it. That needs work to think that through, to live that out. And God's vision is that we should be a family that includes everyone that walks through the door with all the diversity and all the colour and difference in, uh, in uh, our area of London. A family that includes everyone and walks together into the true freedom that God gives us in Christ that we know through his word. So let's just pause. Let's consider. Maybe there's something there that you have as a big question. Maybe there's something there that you found helpful or something to go and think through more about. What has God been speaking to you about as we've studied this uh, few sections, few uh, words, a uh, few verses in Genesis together? Father, we thank you that you're a good giver. Thank you for the privilege of life. Thank you that you have made some choices that we um, are just, they're just given to us. Lord, we trust you in that. And we pray that you would show us what it means individually and as a church family to be men and women called to belong to Christ together, called to build a community that can welcome everyone and accept and uh, bless everyone. Please, Lord, would we stay founded on your truth, would we be led by your word, would we be filled by your spirit and helped to be your people. 
We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.